God is good <laughs> at all the time. God is good. Indeed, he is. And we have seen his faithfulness over and over in our lives. Amen? Despite what we go through, he is still worthy to be praised. Well, I want to tell you about John and Betty. John and Betty were an elderly couple, and they had been dating for a couple of months. Well, one afternoon on their date at around 3 o'clock, <laughs> he decided that he was going to propose to Betty. Well, John was so nervous because he wasn't sure what Betty would say. So John, who was 95 years old, <laughs> tried to get down on his knee but couldn't. But anyways, proposed to Betty. Betty, who was 93 years old, excitedly shrieked, yes! <laughs> and so they were engaged. Well, they went to their separate ways and went home. The next morning when John woke up, he was so puzzled because he knew that he had proposed to Betty, but he could not remember if she said yes or no. So hesitant, he decided he was going to call her. Well, he called her and he said, Betty, I know that we've been dating for a couple of months, and last night I proposed to you, but I could not remember if you said yes or you said no. Well, Betty, just so excited, John, thank you so much for calling. She says, I knew I accepted a proposal last night, but I couldn't remember who it was to. <laughs> Bill Hibbs actually gave me that joke, so thank you, Mr. Hibbs, for that. <laughs> In a previous message, I shared with you on the topic, part one, on don't let fear stop you. And in that message, we talked about uh, the passage from Numbers chapter 13, where Moses and the Israelites had come out of Egypt, and God had told Moses and instructed him to send spies into the land, one from each tribe, to go and explore the land, to look at the land and see it before they were to go and take it. And that is the promised land that God was giving them. Well, the spies went in, and no sooner did they come back, and they, they gave their report. They had talked about how the land was exactly what God said it was, but they spread a negative report among the people. And these are just some of the points that we, we talked about in the previous message. When God is getting you ready for something big, preparation is always required. Even though our situations look big, God is still bigger. Stop listening to the negative voice who tell you it's not possible and don't allow fear to stop you from getting to the promised land God has for you. Well, you see, those men who came back, they spread that negative report because they didn't believe that God was giving them this land. They only saw the problem that was in front of them. And today we will focus on Numbers chapter 14, starting from verse 1 to verse 9. And if you are able to, would you please stand as we read God's word? Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 to 9. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt 
or in this desert? Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jepheth, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because he will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of scripture. We thank you for the truths that are contained in your holy word. And indeed, Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear your word and to be obedient as we respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, thank you. Feel free to be seated. So we know that there was one spy from each tribe. There were 12 tribes of Israel, and so there were 12 spies who went into the land. When the spies came back, all of them except for two, Joshua and Caleb, felt it was not possible for them to go into this land. They spread this bad report. They looked at all of the negative things. They didn't believe that they could defeat the giants who were living in there. They were too afraid of going in and taking this land that they tried to convince everyone else that it was a bad idea and that they should just go back to where they came from. You see, those men who went into the land saw firsthand the goodness of the Lord. They saw firsthand what God had promised them. They saw firsthand the land that God was giving them. In Numbers chapter 13, verses 26 and 27, it says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. In other words, they're saying, we went into this land and we saw it was everything that God promised that it would be and more. But, there's a but. It goes on in verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. And then in verse 31, we cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we are, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said the land we explored devours everything living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. In other words, yes, we saw that the land was blessed. Yes, we saw that God promised us this and he is giving it to us and it's everything that he said. But instead of looking at those positive things, they focused on all of the negative things. 
We cannot go into that land. We cannot take that land because of this reason and this reason and that reason. And they focused on all of the could possibly things that could happen. They focused on all of those things. So what does that teach us? It teaches us to train ourselves to look at the positive instead of the negative to look at the positive things instead of the negative. And they continued on with that attitude as we read in Numbers chapter 14, in verses one to three. It says, all the members of that community raised their voices and they wept aloud. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They said, if only we had died in Egypt, why is the Lord bringing us into this land only for us to fall by the sword? They were looking at all of the negative things. You see, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the negative. Did you know that? It's so easy for us to look at all of the negative things. And so I say, train yourself, because it's not something that comes easy. When we look at people, it's easy for us to just look at the negative things about them instead of all the positive things. When we do something, it's easy for people to look at the negative things we do, but forget about all the positive things that we do. It's so much easier for people, and it's almost like it's a, 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 something that just comes so natural just to focus on the negative things instead of training ourselves to look at the positive. And that's exactly what the Israelites were doing. They were focusing on all of those negative things that they really didn't have to worry about because God was leading them and he was preparing them. But instead, they got so caught up in those things that they missed the fact that this land is blessed, that this land is what God is giving to us, that this is the promised land that's so abundant, that's beautiful and lush, and this is what God has in store for us. And so I tell you to train yourself, to train yourself and to make the effort to focus on the positive things in life instead of the negative things, to focus on the positive things in a situation instead of all the negative things. When we go through different circumstances and situations in our life, instead of looking at the positive, instead of looking at all the negative things, try to see the positive in those situations. That yes, you may have lost your job, but God is going to provide another one. That yes, things may be hard financially, but God is your great provider. That yes, things may not be ideal in your life, but God has given you good health and good strength. That yes, circumstances may not be ideal, but God is with you and he will help you to get through. Look at the positive things. We have so much in this life to be thankful for. There are so many things. As the hymn writer says, count your blessings, name them one by one. When we get down and we get discouraged, I encourage you to do that, to look at what God has done and to know that what he has done, he will do again. That what he has done and when he has been faithful, he will continue to be faithful. And when we look at all of those things, it will help us to focus on the positive. 
Another way that we can focus on the positive is when it comes to other people, to look at the positive things in other people instead of the negative. It's so easy for us to see someone, let's say for example, a young person, you may see them and think they wear strange clothes, they have weird looking hair colors or the phrases that they speak or the language that they use are just weird and you don't understand it. Instead of looking at those negative things, look at the fact that they love the Lord, that they are committed to God, that they are serving him faithfully, and those things don't really matter. The, the weird clothes they wear or the weird color hair that they have, instead of looking at the negative, look at the positive. With your coworkers, with your family members, with those who are around you that you encounter, look at the positive things. Train yourselves. Choose to look at the positive things instead of the negative things. And one thing that I want to encourage you to pray is, God, help me to see that individual through your eyes. God, help me to love them the way that you love them. God, help me to see the good things in them. And when we start to see the good things, we'll have a better perspective on life. We'll be happier, and we won't focus on all of those negative things. You see, life is far too short to focus and to dwell on the negative things around us. But may we train ourselves to focus on the positive instead of the negative. Amen? While the Israelites were focusing on all of the negative things, they were focusing on all of those bad things, the fact that the city was fortified, the people who live there are very powerful, there were giants in the land, we seem like grasshoppers compared to them, they will kill us, they will take our wives and our children, all of those things they were focusing on. What is interesting is that the Israelites were on their way to the promised land. They were on their way and they were so close to the promised land, yet they constantly complained and wished that they were back in Egypt. They were so close to the destination that God had promised them. They were literally standing on the edge of that promised land looking into it when the spies went in. But yet all they could do was look back. All they could do was compare the journey to where they were and to say, we should be back there. Why don't we go back there? Why don't we continue back there? Why don't we choose a leader for ourselves and go back there? That's all that they could say because they were so focused on what they had back there as compared to what they could be having if they just wait and trust God. You see, in Egypt, they were living in bondage. The Israelites were slaves. They were working day and night for Pharaoh. And Egypt represents pain and suffering. It represents bondage and slavery. Whereas God chose the nation of Israel to be his people. He said that he was going to give them this land to enjoy. They were going to be free from what they experienced in Egypt. And so the promised land represents God's blessing. It represents his promise. It represents freedom from the past. That's when I talk about Egypt and the promised land. This is what it's being represented right now. Okay? So Egypt represents the pain and the suffering and the bondage and 
and what they came out of. And the promised land represents what they were going into, all of the freedom and God's blessings and his promise to them. You see, when God called Moses at the burning bush, when he called Moses right back when we look at Exodus chapter 3, one of the first things that he says to Moses, for the reason that he is calling him to deliver his people, he says this, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians, to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You see, what they went through in Egypt was terrible. They went through being enslaved, being in bondage, being beaten and whipped and working all day. And God says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I know that they're not happy. I know that they're suffering. But he sent Moses to bring them out of Egypt, to bring them out of the pain, to bring them out of the suffering, to bring them out of the bondage, to bring them out of the slavery. And now they say, if only we were back in Egypt. Are you following me? If only we had gone back to Egypt, why don't we choose another leader and go back to Egypt? It's almost like slapping God in the face and saying, thank you, but we want to go back. Thank you for bringing us out, but we'd rather be back there than being uncertain of what lies ahead. You see, although they knew what they came out of, they kept looking back. They kept looking back. And you see, when you're on your way to the promised land, stop looking back at Egypt. When you're on your way, when God is leading you into the promised land, stop looking back at the Egypt that you just came out of. Many times we tend to look back. Many times we tend to go back. Verses 2, 3, and 4. They're saying it, verse 2, if only we had died in Egypt. Verse 3, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And then in verse 4, and they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Three times in those three verses, they mention going back. The very place that God brought them out of, that God had rescued them from, they wanted to go right back to you see, they completely forgot about the pain, the suffering, and the bondage that they had come out of. They were ungrateful to God for rescuing them, and all they could do was keep looking back. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 3, and this is going forward, they said, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. They moaned. They, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness for us to all starve to death. Do you, do you see how they thought? Do you see how their mind was so deceived in the sense of thinking that life would be better if they had just gone back? 
They were so close to the promised land. They were almost there, but all they could see was how difficult it's going to be to overcome these giants, how difficult it's going to be. Yes, we want to go into the promised land, but they thought that maybe they were just going to be able to walk in and take it and nothing would bother them. But God said, these are the things. Go spy out the land so you're not surprised. These are the things that's there. But what they failed to realize is God, God said, I am with you. And if God said, I am giving you this land, guess what? God is giving them this land, and there's going to be nothing that will stop them from taking it. But all they could see was the obstacles that stood in front of them. All they could see was how difficult it was going to be. You see, there are times where God is leading us out of the Egypt place, where God is leading us from that situation, and he's moving us into the promised land that he has. And sometimes I believe as individuals, even as Christians, we tend to keep wanting to look back, to look back at the life that we used to have, to look back at the sin that we used to be involved with, to look back at those bad habits that God has already delivered us from, but we keep looking back because you know what? Sin is the allure. It gives that allure. It entices us to want to keep going back to it. And there are many times where God is just sitting there and he probably is just shaking his head and saying, there is so much more I have in store for you. If only you will just keep going. If only you will trust me. That promised land is not too far. Just trust me and you will be able to experience that freedom. You will be able to experience my blessing. You will experience the promise that I have made to you. If only you will trust Trust me. But many times we keep looking back. That journey from Egypt to the promised land may not be an easy one. And it's oftentimes where we're on that journey, where we're in that wilderness place, that's when we start looking back. Well, God, I know that you've promised me this. I know that you're giving me this. I know that you've said to wait on that. But you know, I'm getting a little worried because I'm not seeing any evidence of this right now. And so maybe it would be better for me just to go back to what I know. Maybe it would be better for me just to go back to what I used to do or how I used to be because I'm familiar with that. You see, although the Israelites were not necessarily happy in Egypt, that's what they knew. That's what they knew. They knew slavery. They knew bondage. That's what they were accustomed to. They were not accustomed and they were not equated with being free. They didn't know what it meant to be free and to experience God's blessings. And you see, as Christians, God has come and he has rescued us. He has come and he has taken us out of that bondage. He has taken us out of that place of suffering. And he has said, I have come so that you may be free. I have come so that you can experience that abundant life. I have come so that you can experience all the good things that I have in store for you. And you see, who the sun sets free is free indeed. So don't go back to what you used to be. Don't go back to the place that you used to be at. Don't continue on that journey, but go forward. Press on and trust me. 
You see, the promised land is so close, but we need to trust God in order to get there. The promised land is so close, but it takes effort. It takes effort for us, and it takes discipline for us to continue to press on the things that we know we should do and the things we end up doing. The things that we should do and the things that we know, you know, it, it's going to be a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a, a struggle. I know that I should go to church regularly, but that means that I have to go to bed early, and that means that I may not be able to go and party every Saturday night. I know that I should read my Bible and pray regularly, but you know, that also is probably gonna cut into my TV time, or my Facebook time, or my Netflix time, or hanging out with my friends, or talking on the phone, or doing all of these things. You know, I know what I should be doing, but it is a bit of a struggle. You see, when God is bringing us through that wilderness journey, it's often a lonely one and it's often a difficult one, but he wants us to trust him. You see, and it's in that time where it may be lonely and it may be difficult that we start to think, maybe I should go back. What I'm saying, maybe God has, has closed the door on a relationship for you with a boyfriend or girlfriend and you're thinking you know what that this is not a pleasing relationship to God and God has shut that door God has made it clear that I'm not to be with that person and so we press on and we say God I'm going to that promised land I'm waiting for that person that you have in store for me but in that journey to the wilderness it's a lonely one in that journey, it gets lonely and it's difficult. And so sometimes we may run back to where we used to be and go back to that person because we're familiar, because we know that that person is there, because we know what it was like there. When God has said, I've already shut that door. Continue on in that journey. Maybe there's certain habits or addictions that God has already convicted you about and has shown you and has continued to help you. And instead of pressing on and moving forward, you just continue to look back and say, well, is it really that bad? Is it really that difficult? Everyone else is doing it. It seems like it's acceptable to society. Why is God making a big deal of it? And so we go back. You see, when God has moved you out of Egypt, stop looking back. When God has moved you out and has shut that door, stop looking back. The sinful life will always be more appealing. It will always entice us and cause us to keep looking at it. You know the story of Adam and Eve and how the devil came and he tempted Eve to eat the fruit and told her, you know, did God really say that you're going to die and look at this fruit? And it was only after the devil said that and she looks at the fruit that it says that she saw it in a very appealing way, that it looks so good and it looks so appealing. It didn't look appealing and good before because she had all the other fruit that God said she could have. But because the devil pointed that out specifically, you know when you tell your kids not to do something? Specifically, don't touch this piece of paper, right? You can touch all these pieces of paper, but you point it out and you say, don't touch this piece of paper. Which piece of paper are they going to go and get? Of course, the one that you point out, right? Because that's in there. Oh, why? Oh, what's on that piece of paper, right? So the devil tempts her. The fruit starts looking more appealing. I truly believe that Eve did not go and look at it and eat it right away. 
that it was contemplating in her mind that she would go and she would walk around it and she would see it. But then she would remember that God told her, you shouldn't do that, that God told Adam, you shouldn't do that. And she would go back and she would look at it. You see, that's the appeal of sin, that it causes us to keep going back and looking. And when we keep going back, that's when we finally decide we're going to take it and we're going to partake in it and partake of it. And that's where the sinful act lies because we keep going back. That's why the Bible tells us, and it tells us and warns us to stay away from sin. Don't even flirt with it. Just run away in the opposite direction. Don't allow yourself to go close to it, but move out of the way and let it pass. Resist the, the devil and he will flee. The challenge is to stop looking back. If God has helped you to move forward, stop looking back. If God has forgiven you of something, stop repeating that same sin over and over and over again. Don't go in that direction. When God sent his angels to move Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah, they were told not to look back as the city was destroyed. But unfortunately, Lot's wife couldn't help but look back. She couldn't help but look back at what she knew, the lifestyle that they lived, where they had come from. She couldn't help but look back. God was rescuing them and bringing them out of that sin, bringing them out of all of that, yet she could not help but look back. And because of that, she was punished and turned into salt. She was punished and turned into salt. You see, at some point or another, we have all been in Egypt. We have all been in that place that represents what Egypt represents here in this passage, in bondage and enslaved. But Jesus came to rescue us. He came to set us free from the chains of bondage that Satan had us bound in. He came to cut those chains and to release us and give us his blessing and give us that freedom. And we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to the devil, but so we should stop looking back at the place that God has brought us out of. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19 say, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see I am doing a new thing, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You see, when we're constantly looking back at those former things, we can't see and we end up missing the things that God has in store right in front of us. And we end up missing that promised land that he has for us. If we keep holding on to our Egypt, even after God has delivered us, we will miss the new things that God is doing. We will miss those things, and may we let go. If God has brought us out, let it go. Stop looking at the past. You're not going there anymore. Stop looking at the past. That's not where you live anymore. God is leading you to that promised land, and there is no need for us to look back. We are to train ourselves to look at the positive things instead of the negative things. And when we're on our way to the promised land, we need to stop looking back at the Egypt that we have just come out of. Amen. And you see, it's a difficult thing to do. And on our own, we can't do it. And God knew that on their own, the Israelites were not going to come out of bondage, come out of Egypt, come out of slavery without his help. And it's the same for us. 
We cannot move from that place into the place that he wants us on our own. We truly need to say, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need you to help me. And maybe this morning, that's exactly what you need to say. God, I need you to help me to start looking at the positive things in life instead of all of the negative things. That God, I feel so overwhelmed by my situation, but help me to trust you. Help me to see that you have blessed me. You have done this for me. That you are are always proving yourself faithful. Help me to focus on those things instead of all of the things that are going wrong in my life. Or maybe today you need to say, God, I need you to help me to stop looking back. I need you to help me to stop wanting to go back. I need you to help me to overcome the sinful temptations in my life. I need you to help me, oh God, to close that door and to keep it shut. I need you to help me to trust you going into that promised land. The Israelites were so scared to go in. That's why they wanted to go back. When God had said, this is the land that I am giving you, he says that my protection is no longer on those people but it's on you and God has blessed them and told them that and all they needed to do was to believe you see on our own we can't do anything but with him we can On David, on himself, he was not able to overcome Goliath, but because God was with him and he knew that, he was able to slay that giant. You see, Gideon and his army with only 300 men, they were not able to overcome that other army, not on their own, but because God was with them, they were able to do that. We need to say, Lord, I need you. Would you stand with me? And as the worship team comes... If you need to come to the altar and to spend some time with the Lord and say, Lord, I truly do need you in many different ways, then I invite you to come. Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you for your blessing. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. We thank you for your provision in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that even when we are afraid, that you remind us time and time again in your word, do not be afraid, do not fear, do not be discouraged, for you are with us. And so, God, may you remind your people of that. May you remind us of that, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we will go through, that, God, you promise that you will be there. And so, Lord, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to fear, and we can trust you knowing that you are with us. And so, Father, may you help us to do the things that you have convicted us of. May you help us to move from the place that you've brought us out of truly into the promised land that you have in front of us. And so, God, we pray for your blessing upon each person as you continue to help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.